Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. If you love Southern Gospel country music, you're going to love our guest tonight, our special guest, Lily Isaacs. She's the author of the book, You Don't Cry Out Loud, The Lily Isaacs Story. And so you've probably seen her for Gaither Homecoming Concerts, and she's won numerous Dove Inspirational Christian Country Music Awards, and she's with us now. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. It's my pleasure to be with you today. What an exciting time for you back in the 60s. Let's go there. You were with your friend Maria, and you had an acoustic guitar. You wanted to be a folk singer, and you were on your way, cutting a record for Columbia Records. You saw people like Bob Dylan, and could you just explain what it was like for that time in your life? Living in New York City in the 60s was amazing because I feel like I was just sitting on a pivotal moment in time when the Beatles had come to America and Bob Dylan was so popular and Peter, Paul, and Mary and Simon and Garfunkel. And that, it just seemed like after the Vietnam War, too, it just seemed as if people were, or during the Vietnamese War, people were just angry and everybody wanted to change. And uh, we were the baby boomers that thought we could make a difference in the world. So music was very alive at that time. And being able to express the things that you hated or loved came out in that style of music. Um, I did an apprenticeship at Woodstock for one of my theater arts classes, and Bob Dylan was in the same restaurant, and I couldn't believe I saw him, and he was like, you know, probably a rock throw away from me, but I was too embarrassed to walk up and ask him for his autograph. You know, and just being in the village at the time with probably Judy Collins, Somewhere in that crowd, standing around with a guitar, singing, was pretty amazing. Uh, My girlfriend and I started singing together um, in 1967, 68, and we were pretty good, I guess. We were, but uh, Talent Scout was out at one of the parties that we performed at and approached us and asked us if we'd like to audition for Columbia Records, and of course, we just thought that was the craziest thing we ever heard. I didn't believe it, but sure enough, when they called, uh, we went down to West 57th Street. I'll never forget it. We walked into that big studio and sat down with two folk guitars and walked out with a recording contract to do an album. So it was just an unbelievable time. I think I was so young, I didn't really sink in how big a deal that really was. But it was a very exciting time. I can imagine people hear about things like that in movies, but you experienced that, you know, a recording contract. I want to ask you a question now. Let's go back to the Holocaust, okay? Because both your parents were survivors. It makes out a big part of this book, You Don't Cry Out Loud, the name of your book. Could you explain the impact that it had on you learning about the atrocities in the Holocaust from both parents? You know, I think as a child, when you grow up in an environment you don't really realize where you're living or who you're living with or what you're going through until you become old enough, mature enough to really understand. And growing up with two immigrant parents, I was an immigrant myself, we we just survived in America. And I really think when I get old enough in my teenage years to start asking questions of both of my parents, about what it was like and how did they live through that and how did they survive this and reading more about it. Because my parents for a long time didn't really discuss 
a lot about World War II. It was too painful for them to just come right out and, you know, tell stories and things. But I'd get little bits and pieces here and there and always knew when not to talk or, you know, it was enough, don't say anymore. But, you know, when I get a little bit older, I was able to kind of pry a few things out of them and learn more from their personal experiences of what it was like. So, you know, I was proud of my Jewish heritage. I was proud of the Jewish people. And I think all of my life, my young life, I wanted to give back. I So much was taken away from my family and I that I felt like I wanted to give back to the Jewish people, to live in Israel and be a Zionist, and that was my dream as a young girl. Yes, whether you're conservative or orthodox or even uh, reform, it seems like those Jewish traditions stay with you uh, as a Jew myself coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. When you did come to the Lord Jesus Christ, what was the reaction of your parents, two Holocaust survivors? It may not have been easy. Was it difficult? When they first found out about my trusting Jesus as Savior, as you know, I'd love to say it, it was a shock to me because I was married just a few months, a couple, three months, and I had a first cousin come and visit me in Ohio, and I was so excited about finding the Lord when I did get saved that I took him to church with me. And when he went back home, he basically told the whole family, including my parents, that I had fallen off the deep end and that I belonged to this cult that was praying to Jesus and made it sound really awful. So one day, I wasn't expecting it, my mother called, I was on my job, I was working, and she basically gave me a choice. She gave me an ultimatum, and she said if I didn't give up that Jesus stuff, the crazy religion that I was in, that I could forget that I ever had a mother or father, I was never welcome back home. She basically told me I was a disgrace to the Jewish people, that I was the black sheep of the family, and it really, really hurt me because, as I said earlier, I wanted to give back to the Jewish people. I wanted my family to be proud of me. I wanted to continue the Jewish heritage. And only because I found Jesus as Messiah didn't change the fact that I still wanted to do that. I just became a Jewish believer. That was all. So it was very painful for several months or a year or two. We had a very tense relationship because I didn't want to give up what I'd found and um, they refused for me to come home. I was living in Ohio at the time. They were in New York City. And then as my children were born, my firstborn, my son, Ben, I wanted to bring him back home for them to see him. And it took a while, but I think through my son, it kind of broke the barriers there, and I did go back to New York. And every time we would talk about church or believing in Jesus or anything like that, it would start a big war. It would always start a fight, and I didn't want to go there. I was tired of that. I was tired of arguing, so I chose to not discuss it and just live a life that they would see Christ through me and my family. And I feel like that's what we tried to do. If there was a problem would arise or someone would get sick, somehow in our conversation, prayer would come up 
and I was always managed to say, I'm going to pray for you. I had the exact same situation. The only difference is that I kept driving at home <laughs> to, my, uh, to my family, my relatives, wherever I was, and pretty much got ostracized, but I just took the chance, you know, to talk about Jesus pretty openly when I was there. But, um, you know, people would be shaking their heads or there'd be the, uh, the blank, vacant stare in people's eyes, but I clearly understand that. So let me ask you, your music... How did that touch your parents? I mean, you're talking about Jesus. People are obviously responding to what you're doing. Uh, what kind of effect did that have on them? They are proud of our work that we do in music, but they don't understand about working for Jesus. She would say things to me, why is every song about Jesus? Or, you know, why is every song like this? And, um, you know, it's just hard to explain to them because they didn't understand. Although my mother got a lot softer and more mellow all through the years, it was still hard. It was There was still that barrier there. They didn't get it. I almost think sometimes she thought, uh, you know, that it was a business to us, and we did it because that's the way we, we made our work, <laughs> you know, not really understanding the ministry part of it. Yes. I'm sure your music, though, what a ministry to have witness to them. I think that's what really uh, chiseled away at the heart, for sure. So it, it, when you look at really the worldview, though, of someone who's a Holocaust survivor, they think that Jesus or Christianity is responsible for the killing of millions of Jewish people. That's the worldview that's so hard to get through. So that's quite a task in, in getting through to your parents and, and part of that barrier, uh, perhaps, that you were talking about. I have to agree with you on associating the Nazis and Hitler with Christianity because so many things that Hitler did, he did it in the name of Christianity. And I think that's why so many of the Jewish people at that time, too, you know, it was just really hard for them to believe that that was not Christianity. That was just one man, and he was a tyrant, and the Nazi party was not the Christian people. So separating those two, I feel like, was a hard thing for me to try to prove to my family. Um, they even got to the place where they didn't know if they believed in God, let alone Jesus. So even though I was raised in Judaism, I didn't understand anything about Judaism. I had never read the Bible. We went to the synagogue only on the holy holidays. We had Passover. But we didn't practice Judaism on a daily basis. So we didn't understand. We didn't have much teaching. So I think that when I found Jesus, I really found God, too, which I think the difference between people that are Jewish and non-Jewish is that Jewish people don't believe in Jesus as Messiah. But if you practice Judaism, you believe in God, and you believe in the Old Testament. And, you know, you're a good person that way morally. But I think so many of the people that grew up in my generation, because of the things that had happened, didn't have any faith at all. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're very candid in your book. Now, you talk about cancer, because you went through that, and you had a terrible uh, problem with your back. Uh, there's some trials and triumphs in the book. There's also some humor, and in part of that humor, I couldn't help but laugh. You were a brand new Christian, and your husband was out. He was, I think, drinking. I'm not sure. You correct me if I'm wrong. And you really wanted him to come back, and you pray to God, Lord, if you'll answer my prayer, my husband will come back. I won't shave my legs for 10 years. And, and I thought, oh boy. And so tell us a story. This is hilarious. He had a friend call him. We were already going to church and inviting him to go out to a party. I didn't want him to go. It was a big argument. He went anyway. 
and it was a church night. So I decided to go to church that night. I just got brave, and I'm just a baby in the Lord, don't understand anything. And I walked up to the altar that night by myself, and I just started praying and, and talking to uh, God. And, and I said, God, you know, if it's wrong, and if this is the right thing to do, and you bring him back to church, I will not shave my legs ever again. Well, the next day he came home, and um, we restored you know, our argument and everything was fine. Well, the next time church came around, he went with me and got back to church. So I said, aha, that must be why. So I didn't shave my legs for about 10 years, and um, it was humiliating. I didn't wear pants either, so I would wear dark stockings all the time, even if it was 110 degrees outside. <laughs> I was in Dunkin' Donuts reading your book, and I was just laughing out loud at that. That was hilarious. Now, I want to ask you a question. Would you, is it possible to sing a couple of bars of something? I know I'm putting you on the spot. People should realize the magnitude of your music. I mean, Vince Gill has sung your songs, uh, the Gaither Homecoming series, uh, in the concerts. You've been always there for, we're talking about 30 years of music at the top of the charts of the Southern Gospel uh, music and winning Dove Awards. So is it possible that we can get you to sing just a little bit? Oh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Okay. He name tovu manayim shevet achim gam yachad. He name tovu manayim shevet achim gam yachad. There you go. That's all I got right now. <laughs> that was beautiful. Lily, thank you so much for that. We put you on the spot, and it was absolutely lovely, that song. Uh, let me ask you, your music, again, over 30 years, how would you like your music to be remembered? What kind of effect would you like it to have in the hearts of all the listeners, people who listen to you, not only in Nashville, but around the world? I, I would love for our music to speak to the hearts of people, to give them a desire to forgive to love and to trust, not just a pretty melody. I, I hope that the lyrics that we sing and the way we present ourselves on stage and having a good time with the people would have them walk away with exactly what I said, forgiveness in their heart for anyone that they would have an ought against or themselves, loving more than they ever have, and showing it, and faith in our Heavenly Father that may, they may never had before, or they've lost. So I hope that our music would change someone that way. I'm sure it will. Where can people buy your book? Yes, uh, we have a website. It's theisaacs.com, T-H-E-I-S-A-A-C-S.com. So our schedule is on there. Our autobiography—I mean, our biographies of the whole family, our calendar of events, um, where to buy the book, merchandise. We have CDs, DVDs. Everything's available. The website pretty much catches it all. All right, Lily. Our audience will know what to do. And you've been such a great guest. Thanks for sharing your heart and your music, your soul, and your faith with us, Lily Isaacs. Everyone, and the book is called "You Don't Cry Out Loud: The Lily Isaacs Story." Go get the book. Thanks for being on the program, and shalom. Thank you, Michael, and God bless you. Shalom.